everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. I hope this finds you all well. On this episode of the show, I sat down with a good friend of mine. His name is Bruno Momeni. Uh, he's a martial arts practitioner. Uh, he's done Muay Thai. He does Jiu Jitsu, Luta Livre. Uh, and he's actually one of my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu teachers as well as Luta Livre. Uh, I'm also very honored because he gave me uh, my brown belt, which I believe was also his brown belt. Um, Bruno's a really great guy. Uh, we've known each other for a few years and uh, and I think sitting down and talking to him was a long time in the making so I was really happy to uh, have him come on and and sharing his time and his knowledge and his wisdom we talked about martial arts uh, some of the different martial arts Brazilian jiu-jitsu luta libre uh, I think also we talked about Muay Thai a bit of Aikido judo uh, we talked about a lot of stuff and um, a bit of the, the history uh, especially of jiu-jitsu and luta libre and um, some of the, the uses, the benefits, the drawbacks, and then also, I think, uh, just in general, how martial arts uh, applies to, to, to life in a broader spectrum. So uh, I hope you all enjoy this. If you're interested in martial arts, or if you're interested in learning more about martial arts, um, or really just philosophy and life in general, uh, I, I think and hope you all will like this conversation. So... Um, I think that's it. As always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Um, Patreon is a really good option. It's a website. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. To all of the patrons, to all of the supporters on Patreon, uh, thank you very much for your support. As always, I, I deeply appreciate it. And if you're able to do that, thank you in advance. That's what uh, really what allows me to continue to to make and produce and edit and 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 you know bring on all of these guests uh so thank you very much um there's also the ability to donate via paypal and i'll put a link to both in those uh, in the show notes if you're not able to do that, um, helping with the algorithms really makes a big difference in getting the show out to a bigger audience. So if you're viewing the video version on this on YouTube, uh, subscribing to the show, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section, all of those things really help. Um, also with the video version, uh, I'm beginning to upload it to Spotify now, so that's also an option, uh, as well as Rumble, which is, uh, I think, a really good um um, alternative platform to YouTube. Um, and uh, as some of you might know, one of my episodes was was censored on YouTube, so it's also uh, it's good as, as um, having a service like Rumble, um, at least as a backup and, and maybe eventually as a primary platform as well. Um, and then if you're listening to this um, on the, the audio versions, uh, Apple Podcasts is still the biggest version. So uh, subscribing or following to the show, leaving a starred rating and a short review, all of those things really help. Um, and uh, I think that's that should be it. Uh, so without further ado, here is my conversation with Bruno. From the maze, running out from the maze, running out of the maze today. Running out from the maze, running out from the maze, running out from the maze today. Running out from the maze, running out from the maze. 
out of the maze today. Bienvenido. Gracias, Jason. How are you doing? Good. I was trying to think before we started when I met you, and I, I can't remember actually. We went. Uh, we went to Stefano's place. You. You were just sparring there, doing jujitsu. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it was when Stefano had it. Stefano said like, "Hey, do you want to spar?" And you were there, and then I just started teaching. Like the next class, you just came. So Stefano was having jujitsu in his house, and you were yeah. going there. Yeah, 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 just sparring. Yeah. So I went there, and I think we spar. Uh, I get off of all your triangles, and you're like, "Oh." <laughs> And then, like, the next week I was teaching there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, so, yeah, you, you do jiu-jitsu. That's, I mean, that, that's how we met, was through Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. uh, you were just saying, uh, you know, you also do Luta Livre, which I think uh, probably a lot of people... Don't know about I think a lot of people know about jiu-jitsu now, yeah. but I think a lot of people don't know about Luta Livre. But maybe just to start, uh, introduce yeah, yourself, my, who you are, your, your background. Yeah, I'm Bruno Mumeni. Uh, I started training at 15, Muay Thai. Then at 19, I started doing just jiu-jitsu because I got to work and I used to fight a lot and I would go just with a lot of bruises to the work. And this <laughs> or was cuts. in Lima. In Lima, yeah. Like knee cuts or elbows in the face. So I was a flight attendant and I would go a little bit bleeding with the eye and passengers would just mess around like, hey, you served the wrong drink. <laughs> Somebody hit you because they were like, no, blah, blah, blah. They, would, they would make like funny jokes. It was fun. And uh, my boss said, like, hey, Bruno, you need to stop. So I started doing jiu-jitsu. How, how old were you when you became a flight attendant? 19. Wow. I quit a university for that. I was like, university is not for me. I want to travel the world. I want to save some money. And in Peru, you don't have that oppor much opportunities. You need to have to Google. Like, what can I do to quit university and travel the world? Like, one was cruises, but in Peru, they don't pay that well. And the other one that is well paid is uh, aviation because they pay you almost as if you are American, even you are in South America. So it was a good change. So the salaries are pretty standard no matter where you are? Yeah, yeah. They pay you, yeah, it's almost a standard. I, I can wait almost as uh, flying in the States. Mm. But for Lima, it's a, it's a good salary. So being 19, doing that, I was like, taking care of my job. So when they told me you can't do Muay Thai anymore, I was like, oh. I was doing MMA too, like Valentina Shevchenko. She was in my gym when she moved here to Lima and I would spar her a lot. So I will, we will end up like a lot of cuts, she likes elbows. <laughs> so I was like- what, what, what drew you to, to Muay Thai? When I was, I always like martial arts. Um, I was born with a, my, I had a single mom. So I always got into the gym. It's in, per, in Peru, there's very patriarchal. Like you can say like, since you're a kid and they see you, you have a single mom, they will tell you, hey, you're going to be the man in the house. If something happened, you'll be the one that fights. 
So since I'm, I started doing like capoeira, karate, taekwondo since I'm little. Mm-hmm. And then I got into the first UFC fight and I saw it and I really was like, hey, what is this? So I started searching for MMA in Lima, but I couldn't find it. But there was a pretty good team in Muay Thai. So I was like, okay, I will try Muay Thai. And I liked it because you had the sparrings. In other martial arts, you don't spar that much. And sparring is the one that makes you realize how good you are. So when you think that you're good and somebody beats you, you know you have a long time to train. And that's why I like it, that you can measure. It's a, sparring is a type of measure. So it's a measurable thing, the martial art. So that's, that's a fun part. And so I go to Muay Thai, men in the house. I had, uh, I met my dad when I was 18. Uh, my dad's a big dude, uh, like 200 pounds, big, tall, strong, judo black belt. And I went to the state to meet him and said like, hey, I'm your son, how are you doing? But he didn't have a clue, but I knew that he was strong and big. And I didn't know if we were going to get in a fight. So I have been preparing my like three years training just to meet him, I was in shape, just to say, how are you doing? And maybe it was like, hey, who are you? I don't give a, who are you, blah, blah. And we ended fighting. I don't know why I was a kid and I was thinking, I'm going to fight my dad when I turn 18. So protective. So I got really into martial arts. I started, my mom didn't like Muay Thai itself because it was violent. So she said, like, I'm not going to pay the Muay Thai. I was 15, so I started quitting school. Like, there were a few days that I wouldn't go to get side jobs. And with those side jobs, I would pay my rent. And also I would save for football, like, till, till the night. So I would have to go running to the academy that was, like, every day, like, I would say like in kilometers, like 10 kilometers, in miles would be like eight miles every day running to get there, no food. I would go there train, five to seven, five to eight. I would arrive home and have lunch at almost 9 p.m. every day. So I was, and I didn't want to be a pro fighter. I just wanted to learn how to fight. That was the cool part. So that's how I started. And then I had a need to fight, you know that? The, the anger inside you, so I couldn't shift Muay Thai for basketball. I needed need still fighting, so that's why I moved to Jiu Jitsu. And I used to train a lot. <laughs> and compete so with, a lot. So with the airline, they basically told you if you want to keep your job, you have to. Yeah, but then start, I start having cauliflower ears. That's why I don't have any. Because when they said, like, hey, Bruno, now you have a cauliflower ear, I was like, Okay, this one has a remedy, don't worry. <laughs> I can take it out. So I would take my injections and start like blood draining every day and that's why I have normal ears besides all the draining. You think they didn't like cauliflower ear just because of the aesthetics or they knew aesthetics. it was because of fighting? Yeah, they were like really like... Uh, I always have a theory that like if you're in a third world country, they always, they always want 
to say like, oh, we're not third world, we're like world class level. So they put a lot of stuff that are unnecessary. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I used to work in bars and restaurants, uh-huh. and I mean, it's changed now. Now you can kind of look yeah. different, but when I started, you had to be clean cut. I got fired from one job because my hair was too long. Like, yeah, but like clean shaven. It's about like military. Like the girls could only use some type of type of colors for the for the nails. Yeah. The good part is that in aviation, eighty percent of flight attendants are gay. So funny part is that every time I would get hit and I had a purple eye, everybody had the makeup. So we're like, oh, Bruno, like, no worries, we'll fix it. So we like there, people would just make me up, make up and now look normal. They were really good at the makeup better than the woman, but it was the fun part. <laughs> did, did you ever train in the, the, the locations you would fly to or you just yeah, always no, come back I to Lima? I used to train a lot. Uh, in San Salvador, there were there's this mm. military space of the states. The states has a military base in San Salvador, and I had some friends that were captains, uh, war captains, like for for like military planes, and they would all do jujitsu. They were like blue belts, blue belts, purple belts. So they would write like, "Hey, I have a flight on the weekend to San Salvador." And we're like, "Oh, I also have a flight." So. We will go to the helicopter place. The hotel had a place to where we stay to land the helicopter. And we'll use that as a ring, a circle. And we'll train there with, I will train with all of them. So it was a funny part too. And these were military guys? Military guys, yeah. They were like super nice, super nice. I remember, I, it was funny because they were in uh, coming buses. So once, by talking, this do the do jiu-jitsu, we were training, and this bus just land. And there were like 20 of them, and they saw us fighting. They came like, hey, you're training, we want to train too. And we were like a whole team, it was really nice. In Peru, do you know, does the military train martial arts? I have trained a few, I have trained the police. And no, but it's, do, it's not obligatory, or it's not obligatory. They, there are some nice judo black belts, and I think karate is also in the police. But yeah, they don't focus on training itself. Peru, Peru is not that bad in military because we had a lot of terrorism. They're really good at weapons. But in close combat, knife, they're fine. They're not that good. But itself, because of all the problems that there were in the 90s, all the terrorism, there are these badass dudes that you find that were special forces that they're like, Really, they're legit. And the war with uh, Ecuador also, right? Yeah, but they, I think terrorism mm. was worse. Because some of the people who I worked with, uh, also as you were saying, it, it's this interesting mentality where a lot of the older guys, the middle-aged or older they're guys, badass. they also have very short-cut hair, like military-style yeah. hair. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them served in the military. A lot yeah. of them fought. Uh, and you see, you see that they were good, but just just by looking at them, if right now they're in the almost sixties and they have a big belly, you see the forearm like with cuts, but the fingers, strong fingers. You see that these dudes used to train, not like right now. Right now, you don't find that. They mm. were, they were, yeah. So what? What do you think martial arts is? 
like I'm sure a lot of people have heard of jujitsu, of Muay Thai, of karate. Uh, but how would you how would you explain what what martial arts are? Like the the history, the roots, the differences. It's hard to explain because I don't see martial arts as people see it. I see it as a relief. When I have a problem, I can fight. And not, not, not necessarily a fighting problem, just like a problem in your house. You have something that is bothering you. You just go fight, give your best. You just can have a good night of sleep. And I like jiu-jitsu because you can go 100% each fight. In Muay Thai, you can go 100% with one fighter. But then he's done or you're done and you can keep fighting. So if you have an anger there and you can take it out, you can't because your body can't resist more fighting. But in Jiu-Jitsu, you can stay eight hours in the gym, spar four hours, mess around. But you know that if you really want to take all the things that you have inside, you just let it go by fighting 100% with people that want to fight 100%. And at the end, it's going to be your friend. There's not going to be nothing wrong with him because you didn't break nothing. You can tap. So that's a cool part. And it's a nice therapy because a lot of my friends are like me. We just like to fight and go there and go 100%. We know with whom you can go like that. But, but always respecting that I'm not going to break something, but I can use all my strength. That's something I really like about jiu-jitsu. I don't think any other sport has it. That's a, so how would you describe jiu-jitsu? <clears throat> it's just a relief for me. No, like, it's not but like... How, how would you describe jiu-jitsu, like, as a martial art, to someone who, who doesn't really know what that is? Because I get, I get that question a lot. Like, what is jiu-jitsu? People think, like, oh, you're moving energy. No, no, like, no, no. They always say jiu-jitsu is... Uh, it's a light martial art. They, they start explaining like Aikido, the movement, the goals, the flows. It, it has, it, it's, it's a lot of things. It can be that too, but it can't just only be that. It has a lot of strength. If you have strength and movement, you can break because you can use your momentum, your body, you have to know yourself very well to do this sport. To be good in this sport, you have to know yourself, you have to know your body, you have to know your composition. If you have a big belly, you have to know how to use it. If you have short arms, you know, you have to learn how to choke with, choke with short arms, long arms also. Big legs, you have to be careful also because you can always get into a leg lock. It's difficult to escape. So Jiu-Jitsu itself, it's very particular. It's not like, like in karate, that I will teach you how to do, throw a punch, and everybody has to throw the punch like that. In jiu-jitsu, each body is so different that the technique, you have to move it. Like, I can teach the same for a short guy than to a tall guy. There's always these little things that you have to change. So jiu-jitsu itself, it's a martial art that breaks bones. That's how I see it. You can neutralize people, but neutralizing, neutralizing is grappling. If you're breaking, that's jiu-jitsu. That's how I see it. And then you spent time in Brazil, in the States? Yeah, also. in Brazil, in the States, in San Diego. 
my cousin lived there, so I, uh, he was a brown belt. He was a purple belt. Like he started training maybe in the nineties. He was from purebred. He was the first MMA, one of the first MMA uh, schools in the states. I think it was from Hawaii with Enzo in in Owen. I think I'm saying correctly. But it was one of the first dudes that trained in the States. So when I went there, he would know everybody. Uh, I was training with Barry Yoshida, with Clark Gracie. Uh, they have different games. One, Barry has a really no-gi game. Clark has a really gi game. So I would, I would train with both. Uh, Barry is the nicest guy you can find. He will, It was funny because I used to train... Uh, put stuff in my eyes so I couldn't see when I was a blue belt because I wanted to feel people and he as a black belt didn't have eye, uh, eyebrows because he would tape his head, no hair, and he would stay like that the whole day. He would go at 8 a.m. with his class like this and then he would leave his class at 9 and then unwrap it. So he would stay all day, no without seeing, just sparring. So now I thought it was pretty cool to do that. So I started training like that too in a moment. And it was fun. And what, when people talk about jiu-jitsu, they're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How, how does that differ from because Japanese jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is, a, is a Japanese jiu-jitsu that it has strikes. And samurais used to use it to neutralize. It was like a judo. But they specialize in killing. <laughs> That's why when this guy, Elio, Gracie, uh, learned it from this dude. So Jiu-Jitsu was originated by this dude called Maeda. His last name was Maeda, I don't remember his name. But Maeda was a killer. So he killed a big dude in Japan. So Japan, uh, Brazil has the most Japanese besides Japan in the world. It has like a big community. So the Japanese government wanted to kill this minister. So they hired the best killer they could find. That was Maeda. Maeda killed this minister. And the, and the minister said like, okay, you just killed this dude. We are going to hide you. So they sent it to Brazil, where the Gracies found them because Elio's father was like a big, also minister in Brazil. He knew what was going on. So like, oh, this dude is boring. He just came. Maybe you can make him teach something to your kids because he's a badass. And then he started uh, teaching these Elio's older, older brothers. Elio was thin and he would look at the class and he was like, oh, maybe like what I was saying that, oh, this works. For him, because he's a strong, but I'm thin, how can I make this possible for me? So he created his own martial art that is called Jiu-Jitsu. That is a martial art that works for you. Each one has a different Jiu-Jitsu. And that's why it's called like that. And it's different by the other one that is like, if you do this, 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 it will work. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm super weak, so from part one to three, in the number two I have a problem. Oh no, it won't, it won't be able to, to work. And then Elio said like, okay, maybe if I go like this, I go like this, I will make it work. 
That's how Jiu-Jitsu is created. Now, Luta Libre. That is the other side. My teacher was Roberto Leitao. He was Elio's friend. He was uh, Olympic in wrestling and judo. He was a uh, five degree, I think, in judo. And he started saying, oh, these new locks you can find, these new submissions. So Elio, like he was from high class, he started teaching high class people. And, and in Leitao, that was low class, he started teaching like in favelas, in other places. So he would train no gi. That was the first fighting no gi. The, the fighters in that moment were Roberto Leistao ones. And the other ones that would use the gi were the crazy ones. Do you think that the no gi was just a matter of money? It like? was money. It was uh, resources. They mm. couldn't afford or they couldn't have uh, gi. So they started, and like Roberto came from, uh, even he came from judo, like they used the judogi. He came from wrestling too, so he started doing like American Jiu-Jitsu that is called right now, but in Brazil. So before that, before American Jiu-Jitsu, before Nogi, it was Luta Libre. And he was really good, like my teacher Roberto was Marco Rua's teacher that he fought in the UFC and he was being the corners. And Jose Aldo would sleep in the gym and the first black belt Jose Aldo received was from my teacher. So it has like a nice history, but I, I can go to a favela in Rio de Janeiro and train with no problem because I came from that line. But I can also go to a crazy one because I used to train with Clark. So it's, it's a nice opening to have everything. You always have to learn from everybody something that can offer something to teach. That's why I think about Jiu-Jitsu. How would you describe some of those differences? I mean, you kind of gave a few examples, but like, for example, what would be the benefit and the drawback of being like a small woman? And what would be the, the benefit and drawback uh, of being like a, a big... So imagine, so I'm a small woman. I'm fighting these two that have a strong grip. It's difficult to fight a grip. You just, from every action, there's a reaction. So just by pulling something, you know that other people will pull back. So I will have to use not only his strength, but also my full body and see what muscles he's using. It's a little bit more complicated. It's like, in my, um, how much shoulder press can you do? I would say like 10 kilos, 15 kilos. And if I'm a small woman that weighs 40 kilos, I know that your shoulder won't be able to fight me. Let's say how much biceps you can curl. Maybe 25 kilos, I'm 40 kilos, you can't beat me in weight. So that's when you start thinking how much your grip strength. Normal, normal human being in males is like 45 kilos in grip. If you're a strong dude, you might have like 70 plus, no? I'm just saying uh, an average. But so you start thinking all of that thing, all of that weights that you can lift and how much my weight is. So I might have a problem, these two start like grabbing me. If I just fall to the ground, just like lay down and put all my weight in one arm, I know that he won't be able to still grab me because he can't find my whole body. Because he can't lift that amount of weight. So you have to play with that. It's, it's complicated, it's not that easy. If you, I can see girls training for, I don't know, five years, 
and this big tooth will come and they will beat them just because of weight. But there's then you just there's one moment that after they have it more difficult than men, but once they have it, they will beat a lot of people just because they will be faster, they will know how to control the weight and they will know how much you can live, how much you can move, how much you can it's a lot of biomechanics. And if you're a strong dude, normally strong dudes are slow. So I just have to use your, your strength plus my uh, velocity. It's a lot of, a lot of, just by seeing you, seeing your fingers, seeing your hands, seeing your shoulders, I can just like know who I'm fighting. And each fight is different because each composition is different. And you just have to have a lot of sparrings, a lot of them, to realize who you're fighting. So that's the, the whole thing. What would you say is a, is a good way to, to start jiu-jitsu? Like good things to look for, good things to practice? Yes, yes count. Like, um, I, I, I got good at jiu-jitsu because when I was uh, a white belt, this dude did a heel hook to me and I remember I knew how to do heel hook as a white belt and he was a purple, I think. And I, I wanted to do it. He was like, oh, you can do it. Only purples can do it or brown belts or black belts. And he submitted me and I was like, oh, this dude, I'm going to destroy him in one moment. I like, I, I really do. So I will just see his game see how how he would fight and just like start looking in YouTube how to neutralize all the things that he does. So I didn't fight him for two years. I got my blue belt, he got his brown belt. We fought the, the graduation day and I destroyed him. Destroyed him. Five years, like five, five taps in five minutes. And he just got his brown belt, that was a blue belt. And he was like, oh, and I was like, he, he didn't remember me, he was like, who are you? And I was like, I'm Bruno. Like, we fought like two years ago. He was like, oh, I don't remember. I was like, yeah. Thanks to you, um, I got better. So always chase the guy that wins you. You just, you just have to become really obsessed with winning this dude. Like you go to the gym, this dude is beating your ass. You just get obsessed, see him, like what he's eating, like what, what he does, everything. I, I, got, like, I got really obsessed with this. Like, because it's a good way of measure your ability. Like, imagine a blue belt submitting this brown belt. I was trying like 12 years, I was trying like two. So I was like, okay, I have a good level for a blue belt. I can submit brown belts. Who's next? Okay, I want a black belt. So first time I submit a black belt, I was a blue belt. And I submit a few and, and they were good. And in that time, they were like, like, they were old, not at all. They were like in their 42, 43, sorry, that you were like. But I was like 20, and these dudes have been training for 14 years, and I only had like two years of training, and I, can, I could submit them. So it was a good measure, as a blue belt, at least. How have you seen the, the sport change? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot of change over the, what, 15 years or so you've been practicing? Yeah. Uh, I always like leg locks. 
Leg locks was a problem. When when I started as a white belt, I I started doing uh, leg locks. My had a leg lock teacher that started seeing this Russian dude that's from Sambo that was I will remember in a moment, but it was this old school pancreas leg lock dude and and he had a really good leg locks and he started taught uh, teaching me everything that he learned. So I did leg locks till I was a brown belt and brown belt I started changing my game to have a little bit of arm bars and more stuff but leg locks for me I never pass a guard I was always like I would see a feet and I would just try to break it and that was the whole game and and I couldn't compete well if I go to an IBJJF tournament because there were a lot of illegal moves that I was doing that in that moment were illegal, that was ripping. And I couldn't compete well, so I have to compete in ADCC rules every time I fight. Or, in my favorite, was the EBI rules, like Eddie Bravo ones. So those rules were fun, but IBJJF was a big problem to me. They were like, I would go to a gym, do a leg lock, and I was like, oh no, this is illegal because you're passing the leg. But right now, that it's legal, but I, I can have fun. <laughs> it's, it's better. You, you think a lot more people are moving towards no-gi and away from gi? Yeah, a lot more. A lot more no-gi. No-gi is the future. For me, if there's an Olympic sport, it will be like a no-gi one. Because people watching it is fun. Uh, wrestling, wrestling, you don't use a... A gi. In judo you do, but there's only throws and in judo in the Olympics is they just keep cutting the throws that you can make. Like I think right now you can only do like 47 throws that are legal and the old old school ones are, are not allowed. And it, why, why do you think they're doing that? So it was funny, my wrestling coach in one moment he competed in judo and he became a judo, judo national champion and he never did judo just because he was good at uh, takedowns but grabbing uh, like low end of the body and judokas weren't that good at that so that's why I think they prohibit because a lot of wrestlers will destroy a lot of judo guys there are, there are a lot of judo guys that are good but there's also a lot of good wrestlers that are really good so in one moment it was going to be judo and wrestling was going to be one and judo was going to disappear because there's all the throws that you can do in wrestling, you can do you can do it in judo, but not all the throws that you can do in wrestling, you can do it in judo. So that's the the the, the sport is just keep limitation has a lot of limitations. So. Do you think many of these uh, traditional martial arts are going to last, or you think it's all moving towards no nogi grappling mixed no, martial no, arts? No. People like. People don't like to spar. People don't like fighting. People sometimes they just like to be like, oh, I'm a black belt. And like, I'm a big deal. And they will never fight in their life. They will just fight for the black belt. Just doing this, this motion without sparring. And people like it. So there's a big market for that. For saying, I'm a black belt. That don't fight. It's, a, it's big everywhere you you always find this everywhere like taekwondo black belts that have never gone into a fight 
and they're really good at breaking wood stuff, but in the real life they're not as good. Now, competition ones, they are like, like Karate Kyokushin, like, I'll be like, I'll think twice before getting in a fight with one of those dudes. Or these Korean Taekwondo's uh, that are Olympics, mm, those guys can fight. But you see the portion of black belts that are in the world and the ones that can fight, and it's super slow. Might be like, what, 5% of all the black belts that fight in Karate and Taekwondo. And in Jiu Jitsu, you can't get a belt without fighting. That's the cool part. But people don't like fighting, so there's a market for everyone. Do you think one of the problems with these martial arts is maybe in the beginning they were they were a bit looser or more general, and then over time they they started if to you get see more people rules. People fighting in more... the eighties, they all all suck. <laughs> like they weren't good. No, but I mean more so like like I think about Aikido, and Aikido can be really effective, but I think the way people practice, it's not so effective. And even the guy who started it, like, he was doing judo, he was doing Aikido, yeah, no. he was working with a sword, he was, he was wrestling, everything. he was doing yeah. everything. But I think because he got so good, he could then begin to, to take all that knowledge and transfer it into something that was, that was more not. light. That, that, well, but, but then I think the people who followed, they, they just took what he said, but they didn't understand, as you said, like all the layers in between. Like, like you were saying, there is something about this flow or this energy, but you only see that in black belts or like guys who are really good. Because it's like you have to go through all the other levels to be able to, to begin to touch in on my, that. Like, if you get a black belt in Aikido, I think you can get in four years. I think it's four years is the average to get a black belt. Five years. Oh, how long in Jiu-Jitsu you're a black belt? It's like 13 years. So you're giving black belt to someone that for me five years of training is not enough in that type of training. The flow, the movement, the grappling itself. But Aikido I itself, I think when people talk about too good, like this will always work, that's a, that's a problem. In Jiu-Jitsu, if one move always work, everybody will be a world champion. They want to do it the, the fastest. In Aikido, you ask any Aikido teacher and they will all say, oh, this move works 100% of 100 times. That's the bad part. They don't have solutions. They don't have, if this would escape, what do I do? No, they won't escape. It's like, dude, they will escape. That's the problem. They don't have enough uh, movements itself. It might work. It might. But it also might not work. Like Jiu-Jitsu. But different between Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu is that in Jiu-Jitsu I can say it might not work. All Aikido would say, oh yeah, definitely works. That's the problem about martial arts. It is funny because I, I used to train Aikido for a bit and, uh, and I really liked it. Like I liked the idea, the principle, yeah. the tradition. But there's, uh, I can't remember now because it was many years ago, but there's this very common thing where you, 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 you wrist lock them yeah, and, you, and you put them to the ground and you hold their arm. Uh -huh. And it was very much like you said, it's like, okay, they're, you've got them now. And like one of my first classes, I just rolled out. Yeah. And they were like, you can't do, you can't that. do that. And I was like, but, but it's so easy. I just did it. <laughs> yeah, no. And that, that's the thing. That's why I like Jiu Jitsu better. Because there's always opportunities. And if they're not, you will invent them. But in Aikido, they only have these steps because this teacher 
taught it that is like that teacher who said that only this 100 move works so we can create more because we're not a teacher you just, you just create people just put name like you can call Jason Choke and it might work that's a cool part because it's a community like if you uh, teach a movement that is really nice I'll put it in my game and I'll call it the Jason move and I don't have a problem because it's once you create it, it's like in like in the internet. Once you put it there, it's in the in the cloud. Everybody can grab it, and everybody can use it. And it's not like oh, because this dude invented that is a world champion, it will always work. No, maybe a, a blue belt invented it, and it works, and people will use it, and the community itself help each other a lot. I do instructionals for free in Instagram or TikTok or anywhere, and. It's not like, hey, I'm not going to teach this thing to this guy because oh, he might beat me in a point. No, you just share it. So the best thing about Jiu-Jitsu for me is that everybody's like an open book. They want you to get better, and if you get better, I'll get better. Because if you start beating me, there's a problem with me, so I have to change it and get better to beat you. And then I teach you better, and you beat me. So you just keep growing. It's a, it's a brotherhood of growing. Do you think jiu-jitsu benefited in that because it did come to Brazil? So it's like already it, it had to change in a way and it there's was, different was people thinking about it. Because in Peru and Brazil get along really well. So in my gym in Lima, Renzo Gracie was going there maybe the weekends, mm -hmm. like in the 98, just because we get along because of football. But Argentina... In Brazil, they don't get along with because of football. So when Argentina's jiu-jitsu started, they were all judokas that were doing jiu-jitsu, like a lot of them. And in the competition, you will find in the cartels, like in the street, jiu-jitsu competition, no Brazilian allowed. <laughs> because they will beat everybody. So Brazilian dudes like surfing. So... They will also come to Peru, surf. Uh, I had, I've seen surfing uh, like like old old MMA fighters that remember the name or that that were like este, not Marco Ruas, the other Brazilian dude. I will remember that is part of Checkmat and was in Black Sillians. But you will see this dude surfing <laughs> in in like super like hall of famer and you're like hey dude oh yeah no it was a big crecida like for surfing so they will go there or they will go to, to Ecuador to Guayaquil that's why Guayaquil has so much good jiu-jitsu hmm. and jiu-jitsu in Guayaquil is like really good they have a templanet they have a checkmat they have like they are really good black belts just because Brazilians like to surf jiu-jitsu well, uh, football, we get along, but they won't go uh, surfing to Argentina, they won't go surfing to Uruguay, they won't go surfing to Chile, to cold. So, Ecuador and Peru have really good jiu-jitsu level thanks to that football thinky that it's amazing. <laughs> because even now, I mean, I mean, it seems like uh, some people are starting to use the term American Jiu-Jitsu and like a lot of Brazilians, I think, are... They even say it, like, because of. it started with Black Sillians. <laughs> because there was this team called Black Sillian, I think. 
Eh, they were like really good fighters. Randy, the boxer, was there. And this guy that I will remember that was the surfer, but but then yeah, Gordon Ryan started with American Jiu Jitsu, that was Jake Shields there, that was Nadias. It was like more mainly Jiu Jitsu, more like yeah, like Andrew Tate Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> but in a not that bad way, like just in a way of oh yeah, we're the you use the strength too. Not not the the part of the Brazilian would say like, oh yeah, gentle art. No, they were like we use the strength. Like, Gordon Ryan, I think he just admitted he had a little bit of stare. I don't know, like, they use the strength. It's not like the gentle art. More like fighting. It's better. That is funny because we live here in this place that is called the Valley, that everybody is no, no fighting, no, uh, everybody should get along. Fighting is bad. And we live here and we still have people that like to fight and they still do their stuff and they're really good, some of them. Do you think there's something that, that's misunderstood? Because uh, th there's a quote by uh, Jordan Peterson and I think he says, uh, and it's a really good quote. And, that you have to have a monster inside but control it. Ex yeah. And, and also this idea that, that if you think uh, strong men are dangerous, wait until you see what weak men can do. And because it's this idea that, yeah. that you know, and uh, I'm sure you, you feel the same way, but, but when you really, when you work on yourself, when you train, when you have discipline, when you know how to fight, mm -hmm. you actually become much more peaceful. Like, because you are, you're letting that energy weak go. Weak people doesn't understand violence because they're weak because of that. They have never been in a violence environment. Once you get in a violence environment, you're not weak anymore because you survive there. But if you don't know how much violence a person can do, you have no idea of nothing. You just can create in your imagination, oh yeah, I'll destroy this dude, like, I'll mess around with him, I'll destroy him because my anger is so big that I can do it. You haven't seen nothing when this really violent dude is in front of you, seeing with this crazy face like, you're done. And once you have the hand of this dude grabbing you, destroying you, then you are like traumatized because you're weak. You have never uh, thought about violence. You. Weak dudes come in two, in three, in four. They're all weak. They're all... I don't know how to explain it. They need this encouragement of their friends. They need this encouragement of, I'm doing well, oh yeah. People say like, oh, I'm a big dude, I will destroy you. Yeah, because I'm big, oh yeah. And all the people are coming to me and saying, oh yeah, you're the big dude, you should win, oh yeah. All those things inside me. And this is tiny dude that have trained all his life, has been in a lot of violence, has been in a lot of uh, situations where his life was compromised, or he just don't give a fuck about his life. It doesn't matter if he gets killed. That's the dude that you have to be aware of. That's the guy that will destroy you in seconds, and traumatize you, definitely. 
There's also something that, that you said that I noticed, which I think is that that mob mentality, that mob violence is much more likely to happen with people who don't know how to fight, with people who aren't trained. Yeah, no, because people that are not trained think that they can do a lot of violence. When in reality, they might give me what a punch that won't hurt. They'll throw me a rock that won't hurt because they have never trained, they're not strong. So they will kick me and I'll be like, they have never kicked in their life. And But they think that they can, that, that the kick will destroy my bones, that the kick will throw me to the ground. And once they punch me, they'll be like, oh, it's not that, it's not like that. Like, I've been, I, I will, like I live in a third world country. I used to get in a lot of fights, a lot of fights. And you will always find this dude that hit first. But I was so used to getting hit that they will hit me first and were like, dude, like if that's your best punch, it's going to be a problem for you. Because I'm used to hits. Like in school, we used to fight over schools. Like, like at 3 p.m. we'll leave the school and we'll go to other school just to fight. Uh, we'll go to the garden and the park the other way just to fight. Like in my school, we used to fight a lot. Like I was in in first secondary, first of I don't know how to say it in in English. And I guy fight guys three years older, four years older, just because like in jiu-jitsu, like oh, if I can beat this dude, maybe I can beat the next one and the next one and the next one. You just keep like reaching for your goal. So when I was like thirteen, I. Was, I would try to get in the fight with 17s, just because if I win one, oh, it's going to be worth it. And I remember I was 13, beating this 17-year-old dude, and I was like, Phew. and then I started training at 15, and I was like, oh, this is, now maybe I can fight a dude that is 30, that is 40, maybe I can fight a dude that is my, my father's friend that, that I don't like him, and I can. So when I was 16, I was like, oh, I can buy, I can fight older dudes. That's fine. So yeah, I, that's why that's how you learn how much violence you can do, kind. Because it seems to me that that understanding is important. I mean, even here last month, uh, you know, th there was a lot of like protests and roadblocks, and, and again, it, it's a very you know, it's uh -huh. a complicated situation. But but I found all of the people who were supporting that had no understanding of violence. Nothing. No, there were like 10 guys with uh, wood saying like, oh, if you pass, I will destroy this wood to you. Till you get down on the motorcycle and just like, okay, you, 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 okay, there's seven of you, there's seven of you, okay, I will, you will see ages, I will say ages, like, okay, you are like 20, you're 30, oh, these dudes are like 50, okay, only six of you will fight, okay, let's fight and see if I can pass or I can fight or I cannot. And it was like, once they see you that they, we are really going to fight, they was like, okay, I will let you pass by this time. <laughs> Tomorrow, I, I won't. And there will be more people, but you just go with this mentality of, okay, if you really want to fight, I'll fight the 10, I have no problem. But I think that's the thing too, is like when when people support that, it's because they don't realize like what that means. Like when you stop a road. It's a bully. It's a bully. It's and a bu it's a ten, ten bullies trying to bully someone. 
I don't like bullies. And it leads, it, it's a violent mentality. Yeah. So but, but if 10 bullies are coming, it's like, imagine you have, you hate pedophiles. You have 10 pedophiles out there. 10. They might beat you, but I'm going to destroy a few. So I have 10 bullies. I hate bullies. I'm going to take a few and I have 10 in front of me. So thank you. Because now I can, I can throw a few and once they get a hit, they will never do that again. So... And that's the danger of that mob mentality. That because problem it is, is it also is bullies. Is like, I think humans are also, when they know they can win, they get really idiots. They get like, oh yeah, I did this to that. I can kick him in the ground. Like, that's when everything starts like going up. Like, if I know I can beat you and I'm a bully, I'm going to beat you really bad. So it gets getting worse. So that's why I'm like bullies. So if you just control that bully, all these guys, and you have them there, and say like, hey dude, like this is going to cost you maybe a teeth or something, I'm going to break something. <laughs> they will be like, okay, I will let you pass because they don't want to have that confrontation. But yeah, people here is people here is bully, but you see, like, we live here and people don't like to fight. People don't come to class to train to fight because they think they're all fighters. They all think that between three they can beat someone. They, they have their own brotherhood that is like that. That is not, it's not nice. Living here is nice for a few things, but local people, it's really old mentality of bullying, of... Like, you see here, I, I have teach a lot of kids a lot of women that would, were hit by their husbands. I used to teach a lot of local people. And, and it's, it's really... People don't do nothing here. And I try to do it with a lot of NGOs. We work with everything, but really people don't care about that stuff here. And it bothers me a lot. And you see it here too. Do you think martial arts is, is actually a way out of that? It's a good way. Like, I used to teach them these 60-year-old mamachas. And just by teaching them a few things, just to protect themselves. Because here people work from Monday to Friday, and they start drinking Friday night, and they, they woke up Monday 7 a.m. Like, sometimes I'm driving, and I can drive because I have uh, people laying down in the street drunk. And... You go there, you say like, hey dude, can you move off of the street? You're like, you're drunk. And it's not even nice because they will start like throwing up or they will like get you in the fight and they can't even walk. It's super weird. Like, Do you think it's good for the, the men too? Because it, Here it, I prefer to teach to women. If, if it's their locals, I prefer women and kids to teach, not men's. I think men here is a waste of time to, to learn. Like, if they're all bullies, if you learn uh, teach them how to fight, it's going to be the worst. But don't you think if you start, if you start a kid with a good discipline like jiu-jitsu or like Muay Thai, then they don't become a bully? Yeah. But you have to start young. You have to start young. Yeah. In Lima, I used to teach this orphan, uh, in this orphan school. And normally the women are the ones that fight better than the kids. When there are kids, like if somebody's listening and they have a school and they're like under 13, 13 women, like little kids are like bigger, taller, they're strong. So I think if you 
teach these ones, these little kids to to respect their rights. And this boy that come that is also 12 year old, like, oh yeah, blah, blah, get punished by this 13 year old girl, they will start respecting women because they will be like, oh, when I was a kid, this woman was like, have their, have put their limits, their balance. Like I cannot go and hack her. I cannot go and do this stuff because she was like, I think if, if you have, you teach a kid under 13, what is good and what is bad and who you respect, it will be the whole life like that. That's why it's under 13. Once you are 14 and you have been, they didn't, didn't uh, tell you who to respect, then you get, you woke up as a bully now in a few years. Because that seems like one, one good thing about like more quote unquote traditional martial arts is there is this, this like respect, this honoring your teacher, bowing to them, like learning humility. Like it does seem like there's yes a focus no. on, on that. If you see, have you, like we, uh, we have been training like three years. I don't care much about that. I just care that people come and have fun and do their sparring and, and people don't break the other one. If you just do that, I'm happy. But would you just do like you said, it's a bit different because you have to fight. And and so I think there's this inherent humility that's built into it. Like you're because going you're fighting. going to get humbled. Exactly. Like, you're going to get humbled one way or the other. Like in our in, in our class you have never seen a dude that comes like, Oh yeah, I'm going to destroy everybody because you get humble, it's really easy. And they start like they're not like I'm never like, Oh yeah, call me teacher, call me blah blah I'm like I just like to teach and I like people to respect each other. The class that everybody respect each other in the fighting. It doesn't matter if you don't respect it in the... Like, you can make jokes, you can do anything. But I like the respect of... If somebody's tapping, you let him go. If somebody has something to say, you listen. Even if you're in the fight, like, hey, sorry, my, my hair got stuck when we fight uh, girls in the gym. And just like, yeah, no worries. Like, you're okay? Okay, we can continue. That is for me is better than showing your teacher oh thank you teacher blah blah oh. that for me is the best respecting each other and you get it in jiu-jitsu and if you don't i'll go 100 percent, or you will go normally i send you but <laughs> but i'm controlling myself to don't go 100 percent. that's the thing it seems like in a lot of countries <clears throat> i mean definitely in the u.s in europe there's a huge wave of like young people doing jujitsu, just doing uh, jujitsu, mixed martial arts, maybe, but especially jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like there's a real, almost like need, like like people are finding that, like, that's like what they I'm need. It's because after sparring, you get humble and you get tired. You can go 100%, you can go to your bed and sleep well. And I think a lot of kids has a problem with that. A lot of kids has struggles. That some dudes have really good struggles, like like sorry, like bad ones, and some others they're not, but they think that they do. But in both cases, work that if you give a hundred percent, you will sleep well. I think that's important. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we were talking about earlier. There, there was like another mass shooting in the U.S. and and it was. Uh, you know, it's another kid. Well, I think they were maybe like early 20s, but, you know, still. Yeah, like I thought young. it was just a kid and you said it was a transgender kid. 
Yeah. And I didn't, like I'm from here, like I'm, I'm from Peru and normally I watch news from everywhere, but I didn't see any news that said it was a transgender kid. Well, I think it's pointing to this, this thing that, that there's a real like mental health crisis, you know. I, I think and right now people in the States, like in the, here, here is easy. Here, if, it doesn't matter who you are. Like in my school, I was called the whitey. We have the, my best friends, we were only 17 in school. And each one had a different ethnicity. And we go by our ethnicity, each of us. And we have been, we, we know each other since we are five. We are best friends, the 17, we're really, really close, like family close. And it was never like, oh, don't call me like that. Like uh, having so many nicknames, I was like the whitey or the Dalmatian because I had a lot of molds around the body. And it was like messing around, but some right now, people just get it too hard. Like, oh yeah, like oh, he called me like that. Oh no, I have to go for my rights, and I don't know how to fight. Oh, I'm not going to get bullied. I can do violence. That's when guns start coming out. That's that's the when we're talking about weak dudes that they think that they can harm and they can't. It works without guns. It works here. If you have a gun and you're a weak dude, mm, you're going to destroy your life, but you're going to make a mess around. That's the problem. Well, it reminded me of a, a good buddy of mine who did jiu-jitsu. And, uh, I mean, it was really touching. But one day I was talking to him and he said, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu, it gives me a reason to wake up in the morning. Yeah, it's just... And I, I think so much of, like, of, of what you're saying, it, it, it's like... This energy exertion, you can sleep well, there's but a camaraderie there. Like, there's something else. Imagine, imagine we spar every day. Every day, and every day, you can kill me. Like, if you want, we're in the sparring, just you and me. Well, it's more the opposite, but yeah. <laughs> no, but imagine if you choke me every day, and in, every time I tap, you let me go. This gives me a trust that nobody else gives me. Not even my mom, my dad, my sister can give me that kind of trust. The one that I give my body, my, my, my life to you. Because if you and me are training and nobody else around and I tap you and you don't want to tap to let me go, you just really don't want to. You're in a rear naked choke behind. I can do nothing. You can kill me. But I'm trusting your life, my life, that if I tap, you will let me go. And that gives you a bond that nobody else gives you. That's a cool part. Because you're you're imagine first time we're fighting. No, imagine imagine this. I would tell you, Jason, you're going to walk through the street, give a gun to this dude, and say, like, if I put my hands up, you won't shoot me. Do you trust this dude? In Jiu-Jitsu, you trust him. And it's the same. You have a dude that can kill you, and you are trusting by tapping, he will let you go. That makes a bond that is stronger than anything. That's the cool part. That's why I like it. And that's why I don't spar with everybody. Because I need to know you first. I need to... Like, if you come to the gym and you... I don't know. I like to, to watch first. If you're a good person. And if you're not a good person, I will never uh, be in a position that you can hurt me. Because I don't trust you. But once I trust you, okay, you can be in my back, you can play around, because I know that you will let me go. That, that bond is, 
It's, 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 it's hard to explain to somebody that has never tapped to, to another dude that doesn't know who he is. It's funny because uh, I know some people who've been close to me, like girlfriends, say just in general, I never like having my back to people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something subconscious. Exactly. Because, like, it's trusting someone. It's, it's a trust of your life. It's not, it's not an easy trust. And that helps you in life, help you trust in more people. Like, before this, I wasn't, I didn't trust almost nobody. Like, on, only my 17 cool uh, friends, they were the only dudes who would trust. But Jiu-Jitsu made me trust a lot more people, and, and in a good way. Like, it's all good the bond that I know I can travel the world, go to a gym, uh, have fun and if I want to stay in that country I might get a job I might get someone that tell me oh this place is nice come come with us to eat or in the night let's go to this party or there's this mountain there is really nice that we can go to tomorrow so the community itself once because of this bond is so nice that you can travel the world and make so much friends and know they will show you the world the best that they have around and you will have fun. That's, that's a good part of Jiu-Jitsu. And that to me seems like, again, part of this, the, this thing that's really important, which is this mental health aspect, which, yeah. you know, I think like a lot of things, you, you see it more in the U.S. The U.S. is often like the, the country that, that a lot of these problems start. Mm-hmm. It also tends to be where the remedies begin to come from. But... Mm-hmm. You know, all over the world, it seems like there is like a kind of a mental health crisis. People are depressed, they're anxious, they're lonely, lack of purpose. I mean, even a lot of the, the work I do with plant medicines, like that's a big part of it. Is yeah, like people yeah, so feel you have a bit more lost jobs than before. Yeah. Now yeah. you're like everywhere. <laughs> but, but here it is too. Like, But something here. like jujitsu seems like it helps with a lot of those things. Again, it, it has it's, its flaws yeah, it like has, anything, yeah. but... I think it, it helps if you have to be a little bit crazy to do jiu-jitsu because what I'm saying you give your life to others trust but once you give that it's a good remedy for everything it's a good uh, like here here everybody does everything you see that I'm the, here in the valley let's say like from every 10 10 people 9 do like plants medicine or drugs or everything or or I don't know how to explain it but people come here yoga coca or some stimulation no, yoga like things things like yoga and yoga? yeah no no like plants yeah but there's a lot of yoga and there's different spirituality stuff like that yes but it's too, it's too, too many things that goes to your brain like too many essential stuff that triggers something that can be good, can be bad, that sometimes you just go to get into your back, to know each other, you just have to travel, you just have to do this stuff. But they don't have a sporty mentality here in the valley. As you see, how many people do sports that you see? There's, there's none. They only do like soccer once a week. Once a week is nothing. There isn't... People here prefer to do plant medicine than sports. And I think that at least you need to do both. 
you can't do just plant medicine and no sports. It's you cannot you cannot know yourself if you don't do sports. Because okay, I'm with plant medicine, okay, oh I have reached this, oh I know this, oh I have been bad in my past life, now I'm getting better. Now how you get better? Just staying how you were? No. You start running, you start uh, sweating, all the bad thing that you had, you start like going to the gym, you have a good, uh, you have a good uh, nutrition, now you're good. But before that, I've seen all these dudes that are like plant medicine stuff and they are like all, they're like fat dudes, they are like guys that don't take care of themselves, they are dudes that said like, oh, they are masters and they are like, you see them everywhere. But there's the other side. There's this dude that like, like Chase. Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He does his, he does his plant medicine. He's in good shape. You see him and you see this dude is healthy in mind and in body. But then you see the other ones that are like healthy in mind and their body. They might get, they might die in a few years. <laughs> so it's a big part of that, and people don't realize it. And. A lot of women do yoga, but they still do it, what, once a week? Because they're always in dieta. And, and this week I can do it 30 minutes and then I'm done. I can do it more. And it happens. It was funny because uh, a while ago I was talking to um, a Brazilian friend of mine. She's a yoga teacher and she was saying, like, you know, I, I don't understand violence and I, I, I just could never do that. And I was like, well... Maybe, but you know, maybe you just haven't put yourself in those situations. Yeah. And then, uh, like a week later, she came to me and she's like, "Jason, you know, I was riding in the back back of a motorcycle and this dog tried biting me, and I didn't even think about it and I just kicked it in its face." Who <laughs> <Full> violence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she felt so bad, and I was like, "Yeah, no, that's what you. It's a natural instinct. Like yeah, it's trying to your trying to harm you. Like yeah." But still, I, I don't kick dogs, never, like, yeah. I also ride on the motorcycles like you, and I've seen dogs trying to chase me, and I just go a little bit faster, I don't have the need to kick them. And in the bicycle, it's the same, when I go in a bicycle and this dog tries to bite me, I don't kick him, I just go out of the bicycle and put the bicycle as a shield. It's like, hey dog, normally, it's really weird that a dog really wants to, to bite you, normally they want to bite the tire of the bike. but. I'm like that, but yeah, if you're not used to someone violent, you just react. But you just have to go around with what you do, like, yeah. Typical plant medicine dude that gets in the fight in the, in the market because of <laughs> one soul is, is, is getting 30 cents more, more expensive than the last week. Oh no, it's too much. I'm like, dude, like, you're a plant medicine dude, what are you fighting about 30 cents? It happens here. It happens a lot. Or, or people that are like super, yeah, I'm the new generation of guys that are going to guide you like, like Charlie Manson. And they will get like, yeah, a bunch. And they will be like this mamacha that just walk four hours with this bag of potatoes. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's the pound of potato is one dollar. Oh, no, it's too much. No, and what else are you going to give me? It's like, dude, like, you charge a lot of money, at least you can help your community. Like here, I help a lot of the community. Like, 
each each Christmas I I I give like to the four hundred kids toys. I do chocolatas so they can drink the milk chocolate, a panetón. Like I I get like toys so the kids can go around. But for for here this is a big deal. Like we have we have gave bicycles before with you you and me like giving to the kids that had to walk to the school and now they can go in a bicycle to the school so they don't have to walk two hours they can do it in twenty minutes and and you see that people here be, uh, beside telling to the mamachas oh yeah you're charging too much they are like oh yeah you need to help you need to do this you need to do that they never do nothing here. Never, I've never, ever seen a plant dude guy helping kids. Never, or someone. And that bothers me. They, they should, like, they're always like, oh yeah, this, this mamacha came with this plant that is really good for your body, and we're doing this tea, and I'm paying this mamacha, and we're all giving her money. Yeah, that mamacha has money. There's like 500 more. And you're giving all to that. What if you do change the whole thing, and you just... Instead of doing it in your house or in this place that charge like five thousand sol that is like two thousand dollars in one day, why instead don't bring these people to the community and give that money to the community and you can help them evolve, like create, like give something to the ones that are giving you something back. That doesn't happen here, and I don't like that. Well, there definitely is. And I don't know if it's just in in people who work with plants, uh, but but maybe maybe more so. There, there's a real interesting mentality of like how you value something, and and I think there's often this real lack of appreciation for what things are actually worth. Like within within the world of plants, within the world of other things, like you were saying, like what is food worth? What what is time worth? What is what is doing something for someone worth? You know, all these things have value. And, and to not understand that is a really big shortcoming. Exactly. And it happens a lot here. Or the other thing that happened that also bothers me a lot is that imagine you use, you have your iPhone 9 like or 8, like old one. They will be like, oh, yeah, like these dudes in Peru don't know what their real price is. So I'm going to charge them for a second-hand iPhone. I just saw it on Facebook yesterday. Yesterday, 300 bucks for an iPhone 8. 300 bucks. Because I use it, I'm, I'm, I'm not from here. I'm not like these people that throw their phone everywhere. It's like super taken care of. So I'm going to sell it super expensive because these people don't know about uh, prices. Because I'm, I'm from other part of the world that Yesterday I saw it. And, and that's the other thing I hate. Do you think that's, that's one of the, the benefits of something like Jiu-Jitsu? You, 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 you spoke about this thing of like knowing oneself. And Jiu-Jitsu seems, I mean, a lot of martial arts, but especially Jiu-Jitsu seems to be really important. Like, like you can't bullshit in Jiu-Jitsu. You can't bullshit. You like, like, you know right away, like, are my words true or are they false? Yeah. Is my body true? Is it false? Mm-hmm. Is this move true? Is it false? In a lot of life, I mean, you see it a lot in the plant world, but in a lot of things, like, you can talk a lot. You can have a lot of theories. You see it in politics. Like, uh-huh. oh, I believe in this. Yeah. But what are you doing? Like, is it real? Does it work? 
And in jujitsu, there is something where it's very true and you can't lie. You can't bullshit. Like, you can say all you want, but right now we're going to find out. That's why I'm these kind of people, the ones I'm telling that I don't like, I know that if they would do jujitsu and they would train 20 years, they'll be bad at jujitsu. Because you have to, like you're saying, you have to do what you are practicing really well. And if you are not and you're just changing the path a little bit, you're not good at jiu-jitsu. It can be happening. You can train 20 years, 8 hours a day, and you'll suck. Just because you have to follow the path exactly as it's supposed. What you say, what you pray you, you do it. What you say, you do it. And if not, that bullshitting is... It's not going to lend you anyone. And everybody will realize that you're at the bullshitting training and they're like, oh. That's why I, I teach, a, like today, I teach positions where you just can mess around with people that are too, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm this dude that just came. So I show you this back take that is like a fun way just to mess around with people that says that can fight and can't fight. There's this cool position that you just like put, put it in the air just to mess around because they can't move. Do you think there are certain qualities in people that, that, that like people who, who are drawn to jiu-jitsu? Because it, it, it's not for everyone. I mean, you know, as, as you were saying, like, like if you're not disciplined, if you're not, if you don't you really want... a lot of discipline. A lot. I used to train a lot. And yeah, like no, no eating so I can stay in the gym more time. That kind of training. The training of what do I have to give of my life to be better at jiu-jitsu. Like, okay, I can go surfing. Yes, but how long is it going to take me? Put away to go to the beach, like surf, one, one hour, two hours. Okay, now it's four hours done. I can just... Stay here, train jiu-jitsu while it's really warm because my gym used to have full of glasses and the sun will hit it and it was super warm and I will be like, oh, I can be with the beach with my friends or I just can keep training and get better. You have to sacrifice a lot to be good at jiu-jitsu. Do you think that's the main thing that separates people who are really good at jiu-jitsu? Yeah, sacrifices. Yeah. Like, I can fight a dude and I can realize how much he has sacrificed to be that good. And I respect that a lot. My teacher, my, my jiu-jitsu teacher in Lima, he was a psychologist. And the cool part about him is that he, he wouldn't care much about positions, missions itself. He just would talk to you and put you on focus to learn in order to fight. Like if I had a fight, he would be the best corner ever. He won't just tell you, do that, do that, blah, blah. It's a, keep walking, do that. Like, Valentina Shevchenko put him once in on a fight night, just bring him from Peru to here, to there, because he's a good talker. And you can just talk to him, and he will put you in the mind of, of fire, a fighting mind. That's, I don't think, a lot of teachers can do that, but this dude was a psychology sport teacher. Changed the whole game. 
That seems like another big, big thing, because I think when a lot of people think of martial arts, they, they look at it as purely physical. And, and of course, there, there is a physical aspect, but there's a huge amount of mind. And I think in jiu-jitsu, you really see that. You start to see where your mind starts to break down. There are people down. are really good at sparring, and one time you just compete, they suck. And they're like, dude, like, you're so much better than the other dude. They're like, yeah, but I don't know what happened. You go say, if you have too much ego, you cannot show a good fight because you protect too much, you don't do much. If you put the ego on the side and you just have fun, that's when a good fight starts popping out. When you see two guys that are fighting, smiling, that's a good, that's a good fight. I know that I will like that one. But even in sparring, I mean, like I can see it for myself. Like, like sometimes... You know, especially like here with the altitude, like sometimes you're like you're so tired and your mind starts saying like, just give up, just tap, yeah. find a way out, make an excuse, yeah, say no. you're hurt, and change I, position. Sometimes I'm a bastard too. And I put you to a five minutes sparring with six people, no rest, just to mess around. But yeah, you, you do it. Training here is different than training in other part of the world because of the altitude. So but I mean, again, it's, just, it's another excuse, right? It's just, I mean, it's I real. Know, but but, but, but it's, it's, I think it's good because, for sure, for sure. because it's an extra that you don't find in the, in the coast. Because in the coast, you can be tired, you give a few breaths, and you're like, okay, I can keep fighting. And your mind is, is okay. But in the other way, the mind starts playing tricks. Like, I want to breathe in, I can't. <laughs> That's a big deal. And when you you get over that, that's nice. You feel it because you have feel it a lot of times. And you go to your house and you feel like happy. Like my mind was saying, I cannot do it. I cannot breathe. I cannot keep fighting. And I just did it. I just am better than I was before the fight. That is a big thing here. And I think it's a big thing in life. Yeah, like because you realize, like you're much stronger mentally than your yeah. mind wants to tell itself. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you think like, "Oh my God, I'm dying! I can't breathe!" or "This guy is choking me out!" or "I'm going to pass out!" or "He's going to break my nose," mm-hmm. it's so easy to to tap out or to yeah. stop. But those times when you, for whatever reason, however you get yourself out of that story. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and you escape, or even better, you, you tap the guy out. You, you feel younger. <laughs> you yeah. feel like, wow, oh, I'm the king of the world. Yeah, it, it makes like it will make your whole day better. Like, trust me, your whole day you feel it because, well, you know, like you go back to your house with a smile because you didn't quit. And the, the more adversities you have in the sparring, and here air is one, just breathing. Going back to your house and said like, oh, I didn't tap or or I could, I did the best of I could and I because people here you see that when they come here and we spar and they have only a week here they might puke. That's what everybody does. But the next day that they didn't puke, they were like they are like so happy <laughs> because they didn't puke and it's just like you make their day better. So uh, was there something that you did to, to work on that mental aspect of training the mind or was it just just discipline, just doing it no, over and over? No, discipline, discipline, yeah. 
Yeah, Muay Thai gave me a lot of cardio. So every time I would have a Jiu-Jitsu fight here, I would just do Muay Thai, just to get in shape. And I also do sparrings, but the cardio one, Muay Thai was best cardio you can get. And I would lose 20 pounds in two weeks. That is a lot. Yes, Muay Thai Jiu-Jitsu. It's a good combination, just because of the cardio. Then, like, I've been to a lot of Muay Thai classes, and I know there's, like, ones that are, like, 40 minutes warm-up, 10 minutes uh, uh, striking, and 10 minutes warm-up, more. And you end up so tired, you're like, oh, where's the technique? Like, if you guys are listening, if you really want to start fighting, I would just go to box, maybe a little bit of technique, and then go back to Muay Thai just with a little bit of... Because they do so much cardio, or choose a nice school that that you know they don't do much cardio. But if you want to get in shape, instead of CrossFit, I would just do Muay Thai. What would you say are like the, <clears throat> the benefits and the drawbacks of Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, Muay Thai? Maybe wrestling too. I don't think it has drawbacks. That's the thing. I respect, I respect so much all of those arts that I don't think there's a drawback. So what would you say then are the, the advantages of each one? Uh, you learn how to be, get humble. Because if you go to a ring with a boxer, he will humble you. If you go to wrestle a wrestler, he will humble you. You do jiu-jitsu with that jiu-jitsu guy, he will humble you. So it's a nice therapy. When you think you're a king of the world and you start thinking about things that doesn't matter and you want to go back to earth instead of plant medicine, you just spar with one of these dudes and he'll put your feet on the ground in seconds. And that's a cool part. That's why I respect it so much. What do you, what do you think, because uh, there's often a lot of people who do martial arts, uh, there's kind of this debate of whether to get really good at one martial art and then start to branch out, or, or now you have like mixed martial arts schools where you just start doing a bunch of different I martial think you arts. you have to get really good at one. The one that suits, suits you better with your personality. And with then you just start moving around. Because people that just train everything, they're not, you don't get that good. You just have to have a passion with one, a love with one. You can train everybody, but you have to have a you have to have love and gusto, how do you say it in English? It would be like... Like a passion or... Passion. So, in my, in my the martial arts are like uh, men and women. Okay? So, it's good for you to have a lot of women. No. If you stick with one, it makes you grow as a person. It makes you better. Yeah. Maybe then she didn't, you, you weighed too much and she didn't satisfy you enough. Then you just keep going with your life. It's the same martial art. You have one that, that you love with all your one and then you have the passion ones. I'm tempted to go there, but the love there is sticking me there like, like jiu-jitsu. It sticks me in the jiu-jitsu. Okay, jiu-jitsu doesn't give me what I want now because I have grown as a person or maybe I have went back as a person and I want to get better. Something happened with me. 
Now we can move to another martial art to see if it's fit me. But if you have love for for one in any sport, stick with it till the love is gone. <laughs> because you're going to get really good with that love. And do you think like a lot of things, it also gives you like something to fall back upon? Like, e- like even... Because even martial arts, I mean, they're, they're for martial purposes. Like, ultimately, they're for fighting. And do you think, like, if you really have a, a mastery, maybe not even a mastery, but you're really good at one, it, it gives you something to fall back on. You know, it's like English. Like, uh-huh. if, if I'm really confused, I can always think in English because it's yeah. just, it, it's there. And it, it's kind of like, like we say yes, in English, like a yes, crutch. It yes gives you no. something yes to... No. I don't think martial arts as a martial art itself to to fight. I see it as a as a personal thing, like you were saying English. Like just to make my point, how many fights have you had in your life? Like in a controlled in a way fight? or no, a real fight. Very few. How many? Maybe a handful. That's the thing. And how much time have you used your martial arts for that? A lot of time. Those five times? Oh, you mean in those five times? Yeah. Uh, probably most of those were before I started training. That's the thing. Once you start training, I don't want to, to shadow my sport, my love, with fighting. For me, that's like, I prefer not to fight because it's degradating my passion, my love. I'm using my my rehabilitation as a human to be better in life as a fighting. I don't want that. So, funny thing, if I fight in a street fight, I won't use jiu-jitsu. I will use striking because striking is my passion. And I don't want to mess around with my jiu-jitsu because that's my love. Because I use it for other purpose that is not... In one moment... Like I told you, Muay Thai was the one that, if I want to get in a fight, was Muay Thai. But Jiu-Jitsu, once I change it, it's just my love. I don't want to break somebody's bone and say like, oh, this dude broke a bone of this other dude. Bully. And what he does, oh, Jiu-Jitsu, oh, he's a black belt. Oh, these, those Jiu-Jitsu guys always breaking stuff. That doesn't happen if you realize, like, you never see a Jiu-Jitsu breaking bones everywhere. Because it's bad for the sport, it's bad for, for me as a person, it's bad for all the sacrifice I have done to break something. For that I have my time. <laughs> like, I have, in my life I only, like, when I, I got in martial arts, like, training and fighting, blah, blah, like, two fights in my life, people that had guns on me. Like, not, not on me, but showing me, like, hey, I have a gun, I have, like, I'm going to shoot you, you start do something. Oh, dude, I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to... Because you didn't have it on your hand. But the only time I got in two fights was two guys that were armed. If not, and I didn't use Jiu-Jitsu. Because I don't want to... It's therapy. <laughs> in, in a lot of... You know, it's interesting because, uh, like, we were speaking even, like, in, in a lot of this this plant medicine work. I, I remember when, when I was working at this ayahuasca center, um, uh, 
and I was training martial arts, and, and there, there was a lot of resistance to it because it was seen as violent. It wasn't like an alignment with, with like, love yeah. and peace. But it's because and, you see martial arts as a fighting method. Yeah. If you just see it as a relief, as a place to bond, as a place to make friends, as a place to relax, and it's like a club. If you see it that way, there's nothing wrong about it. But it's also interesting because we were working with a group of people called the Shipibo, and uh, the Shipibo traditionally they fought, they they wrestled. That was like their main sport for all of their religious festivals. They they mm -hmm. fought uh, like like a lot of traditional fighting. Once you took someone to the ground, it was over. Exactly. Uh, but the men would also knife fight, and the the idea was to cut someone's uh, neck. So you know, even in the center where it was supposedly about this culture, they had completely separated this one aspect of the culture because in their minds it didn't fit. It's bad. It's bad. But you see in Puno that they have the takainamo, mm -hmm. that they fight like I don't, I don't like you. The whole year you were my neighbor. You put music. I told you to stop. You park in front of my house. I didn't like it. You know what, dude? Uh, 25 of December we are going to fight so next year that doesn't happen and they get in the fight and they, they drink together and they are friends that's, that's a really fun way to put it and it's a tradition that hasn't left and I'm, I'm, I'm all in in that one because it's a it's not police involvement it's like you and me we have, a, we have something like a we have a problem and we are going to discuss it now. And I'm bad at words and you are bad at words. Let's fight. And fun part, they don't they don't do martial arts. They don't do boxing. They are not preparing the whole year with box for that fight in December. They are just there and they're like, we are going to swing at it. So you see that that that's the part I'm saying. That martial arts can be for fighting, yes. You see these dudes that want to fight on the 25th of December, they train martial arts, they don't. But they, they put their mess together. And they don't use the martial arts that it was created for. Because martial arts, for me, what I'm saying is more therapeutical than for fighting. For fighting, you can fight. Always fight. Anybody. It will help you? Yes. Why fight? It has to be extreme position, like what you were saying. You have to have a like a monster inside to take it out. Yes, I can. I can put violence. But why? It has to be a strong position. Here it's not like the state that they will come to your house and maybe you find some guns or... Here it doesn't happen. If you get in a fight, might, you might just talk a few. You might fight more than one dude. Yes. But why? I mean, because also, you know, like even a lot of the, you know, I mean, in, in Peru, it's a little different, but like in the U.S. and in, in, in Europe, but I mean, to some degree in Peru, too, you know, th there was this like this European culture, which is often it's said like, you know, its roots are with the Greeks. But the Greeks, you know, even in their education and in this kind of like idea of like a liberal arts education mm -hmm. of like studying mathematics and science. They had martial arts. They always had yeah. Yeah, some form of but like physical They used pancreation, right? But they didn't use pancreation to fight. They used swords. 
Well, they had they had wrestling, they had boxing, they had wrestling, they had boxing, they had everything. But if they were going to a fight, they oh, right. would use a sword. Right. The same here. Like if I'm going to get in a fight and I really want to destroy, I would bring a gun. I don't. I prefer to fight hand hand with hand moment. But you see how how the how the community how how in that time you still get in the fight you would use a sword. In this time you get in the fight you use a gun. That happens a lot in the States. Here is a good part that it doesn't happen. That you can go hand with hand combat and it will be maybe a stick, not a, not even a knife. That's why here is more controllable. Here here if you talk and they see your eyes, they know if you can fight. They know if you're bullshitting. They will see you and they realize. In other parts of the world, oh, this dude knows how to fight. I will bring a gun to the fight. And that's why you always see in in English, oh yeah, why why are you doing jiu-jitsu? This dude, all these uh, YouTube uh, fighters, like like oh yeah, why why are you going to learn this? If I will bring the gun, this dude that is three hundred pounds that haven't moved the couch, and I will beat you. The, the problem is that he might <laughs> because he will stand up he will see you there and he will shoot you you didn't have an opportunity that's the bad part of the states here like that doesn't happen it's cool but some people would argue that's one of the good things too is because I mean even martial arts like the reason you're practicing is to neutralize the the inherent benefit that someone else has, like their size or their strength. Check Leon Rolo. Leon Rolo was in Brazil. This dude came. For sure. Uh, he neutralized him. He didn't break nothing because, like me, I don't think he wants to use but for the sport that says, like, oh, this black belt breaking bones. He let the guy do, let the guy stand up and he shoot him. That guy in a hand hand combat would never had a chance with Leon Never, ever. But that's what I mean. Like the the gun is is even more of an equalizer. And like so, for a woman, for example, oh yeah, like it equalizes. It equalizes. Yeah, very, of course. Very effective. More, more. Yeah. When you don't have guns, that's when martial arts start showing. Here they can show. In the states, they can show. But do you think that's something that's that's been lost? Like just just even in a purely educational sense, is is that. That physical activity or that martial art, and, and even as you're saying, more so than just the physicality of it, like the mental training. It, it, no, it's a cheat code. The gun is a cheat code. Imagine you're playing a game. No, I, I don't mean the game. I mean, like, actually, like the training of martial arts, like they were doing in Greece. Like, they seem to realize that this is an integral part of your education, like of your physical, your mental, your emotional, yeah. your they spiritual for connection. Your body. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we seem to have, we're, we're getting away from that. Like, we're, we're getting away from that kind of discipline that, you But know. it's because of cheat codes. Like, imagine, I'm training five years. Oh, yeah, but I can buy this knife, that blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now we're almost equal. But it's, but but it's, but it's a cheat code. In it, that time, I don't think that was that mentality. That mentality was like, let's compete. Who's the stronger, who's the best? Mm-hmm. but use the martial art as a competition that's why I'm trying to to put martial arts there in competitions but that's what I mean like like, like for the Greeks they seem to recognize that that's super important yeah like, no, like it's important. part of like it should be part of everyone's education yeah. like in the same way that you wouldn't just not do math because you're like well 
it's not so important. No, like you need to do math, you need to do martial arts, you need to learn about you need astronomy. To be educated, you need to be good at sports, you need to do what I'm saying, mind and body. I think mind and body come from a Greek yeah. thinking because, yeah. What's interesting because even, even the word psychology, the psyche, uh, like we often just think about it in terms of the mind. But psyche means, but, yeah, psyche. yeah. For the Greek, that meant yeah. mind, body, Psych. and soul. Yeah. yeah, and I remember this. So funny thing, I remember this. The best pancreation fighter that was born. You know who he was? His nickname was Five Fingers. Blah blah blah. They never got the name. Five Fingers. Why? Because when he was fighting, he got you in a Greco clinch, and he would grab your hand. <laughs> he was so strong that he would start twisting the hand break your five fingers, and then he will fight. But he will fight you with five fingers less. So, they were like such, um, imagine training your day, all day grippers, just like this Ivan Cook, the captain of Crash dude, just like getting into Jiu-Jitsu, just like getting and breaking the fingers and then fighting. And then like when, like mine, all that preparation just to get into a fight. For me, it's so impressive. Like, it's... So people really, like, got into that train. Like, people were know about the competitions in Greece. Like, these fighters that... They are not, like, sword fighters. They are, like, pancreas fighters. And they're, like... Phew. I mean, also talking about plants. I, I mean, you know, I remember when I was living in Thailand... Like, I remember when I fought the first time, there was something very psychedelic about it. I mean, there's the whole preparation, there's the ritual, they're putting like robes on you, uh -huh. flowers, the, the whole body is like this, this like oil you where you can't feel anything. Yeah, and there's all these people screaming, yeah. and then they're playing this music, this like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. You know, and, and my whole mind was just, it was like, it was beginning to change. It was like everything else was not important anymore. And and it started cycling to the rhythm of this music. You know, it's very much like snake charming music. It's the same music they play to like charm a snake, you uh -huh. know, to get the snake in this particular state where it's just... So, you know, I think there was also something with, with combat that, that was... that people used in a very spiritual way. Like, in one moment, definitely. Like, I've been to a lot of DMD stuff sometimes you just see in, more in DMT people hitting the the ground or people just hitting something because the heat make them connect like if I'm touching the ground I'm touching dirt but if I want to feel the ground I punch it so the vibration make me aware of where am I you have seen it no in DMT stuff so that hitting is a connection in my in me hitting you makes me where am I? You me you hitting me like all the vibration falling through my body like I'm alive. What is this? Another human being? I'm feeling it. That connection is is nice. It's different than the connection of just staying in one place without movement. And it brings you close. I think as close in a controlled way as you can. I mean. You know, other than war, which isn't really controlled, mm -hmm. to this place of death, you know, which is very symbol symbolic of this like death and rebirth. 
you know, like, because like, when you were in the ring, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying, it's like, you know, in the back of your mind, there's this agreement, hopefully, that either the referee or the other person or you says stop and it's over. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to simulate something where that's maybe not there, where it is like, because in a, you know, yeah, yeah. in a real like fight or a war, yeah. it's one dies. That's yeah, who yeah. wins. It's not, there's no tapping out or yeah. the referee comes in and stops. It's. Yeah, Two people ref. come in, one person goes out. Yeah. Your instincts start coming. But on DMT, your instincts are like a thousand more. So those hitings makes you such awareness. Hitting a rock, hitting something, feeling pain. Those kind of things that people sometimes don't want to feel. That's the one that brings you more alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plant medicine for me, it's. I don't. I don't do much. Like you know. Like I've done. Like DMT, once in a while in certain ruins. There are ruins that don't like me to be there. They they shut me down. The whole medicine. I've done ayahuasca. Not my favorite. But DMT, I like it because of these connections. I'm saying, like. It's good for good and bad connection, but just feeling them makes you better. It makes me happy to feel them, to know I can feel them. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems like something about martial arts, too, is, is there's this feeling of, like, aliveness. Like, like my friend said, like, it gives me a reason to, to get yeah. up every day, like, yeah. to feel, to actually feel something. To feel someone. So, remember, I hear people, people come and say, like, oh, I didn't have a human touch months and they're like this is for me it's like at first they're like oh this is too much don't hug me and they start like panicking and you're just in second control controlling them they're like oh this is too much and then they're like oh it's not that bad i'm getting better uh, or i'm liking in this and then they come and say like oh i was like that because i was so alone that nobody Like, I didn't have friends that, if I had friends, they were like, oh, hello, blah, blah, but to have a human, other human touching you is a strong feeling. Yeah, I sometimes think about that. I mean, because there's a lot of studies about, I mean, just the chemical reactions of like having sex, getting a hug, holding someone's hand. When people say, hug hug a tree, it has a connection, nice connection. Hug someone else. It also has a connection, but you need both. You just cannot just only hug a tree. Hug your, hug your, hug, people that hug uh, horses as a therapy. Yeah, it's good. Trust me, it's good. I, I have seven dogs. I hug them all. But I also hug my, my girl and I also hug my, like, I hug the tree. I also hug everything. Because that connection, it's, you need everything. You just don't focus on one, like, oh, this is my, the pillow I'm hugging. No. <laughs> I need to hug people and to have connections that that makes you alive and i wonder with jujitsu if there's also some therapeutic healing that happens because you are in such close proximity to people like even though the goal is to hurt them or break them Uh, yeah or escaping you're getting you're getting a hug people sometimes need that get a hug that's that's it sometimes they don't need plant medicine sometimes they just need to come because they have been alone in other part of the country and they come here alone and they stay in the house alone and they are like oh I'm just going to do plant medicine with this group oh I feel nice because I have a group no dude 
You need to hug each person in that group. That's when you're going to feel better. But, yeah, it's... People forget that. Forget connections of, of human beings. Martial arts give that a lot. Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, judo give it more because you hug. That's a strong connection. Well, Bruno, my friend, it's 2 o'clock. I know you got to get going. I have to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, so Black Belt, I also have a <laughs> Um, if people like what you say and they, they want to come train with you what's the what's the best way of doing that well we're here in Urubamba in the valley and yes just come they will communicate with you and you will bring them and they will have fun and yeah it's a good it's a good group it's a it will make you feel more connected with other people it will help you open more if you think you're a person that doesn't communicate well to jiu-jitsu it will help you with the communication a lot because if you don't communicate you die <laughs> well thank you Bruno I appreciate it I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate you as a teacher as a friend and uh, you gave me uh, your brown belt, which uh, it means a lot. Yeah, so, no, I was impressed when I, I saw the diploma. I've got uh, your diploma up there well. among some others. So yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm next to to you, national you're society. Next, <laughs> you're next to my eagle, yeah, next to your eagle, eagle scout. scout diploma. Yeah, no. yeah, that's a cool one. So if you ever get lost in the woods, I know how to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> put fire. Oh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, my friend. All right, everyone, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, with Bruno. It was really a pleasure for me to have him on, uh, to have him share, to, to learn a bit more about his life. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Uh, Patreon is a really good option. It's a website, and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for, and those tiers also give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Um, um, to all the people who have done that, thank you very much. As always, I really appreciate your support. And if you're able to do that, thank you in advance. One of the things I really like about the idea behind Patreon and, and other sites like them is it really works off this idea of reciprocity. So if you feel like you're gaining uh, something from this podcast, then that's a really big way to to help and to give back. Um, there's also the ability to direct donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. If you're not able to do that, helping with the algorithms is always a really big help. So if you're viewing this on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section, all of those things really help uh, with the mysterious algorithms and getting this show out to a bigger audience. Uh, if you're listening to this, Apple Podcasts is still the biggest one. <clears throat> so um, leaving a starred rating and a short review, that's a really big help. <clears throat> also, Spotify is gaining a lot of platforms so also uh, with spotify now you have the option to to follow or subscribe to the show and also leave a starred rating uh so i think that's it um my following guest coming up, uh, I have a guy who also does jujitsu with me. His name is John. Uh, he's going to be coming on to speak a bit about uh, somatic work. Um, I have an interview coming up with um, one of the heads of Psychedelics Today, which was a podcast I was on, uh, Joe Moore. So he's going to be coming on to share... Um, 
I have a few more coming up, but that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but as always, I hope to continue to bring on uh, really interesting and fascinating guests. Um, so I think that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for the support. Again, I hope this finds you all well, and I will see you all on the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.